This. This is, this is Diversified, Diversified Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. And AL. Focus more on execution and application and less on excuses. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I'm bringing you a new friend that I met at Nappy in Miami. This is Miss Gabriella, a.k.a. Gabby Gabs on Instagram, which you'll be able to see in the description box. It's a full Gabri Elevate, um, and she can say it even probably more nicer because she's with us all the way from the UK. Gabby, what's going on today? How you doing? Yes, it's going great. I literally landed um, yesterday and um, people are trying to warn me about this jet lag thing, like jet lag, jet lag, jet lag. But you know what? I've come straight to work today. I've done the full day. Like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Okay. Okay. And and they weren't trying to warn you about like any coronavirus or anything like, hey, you just oh, came from a... <laughs> if you'd have seen the mask that I wore like to the... Um, like to the airport and on the flight I you would know how extra I am like I was not allowing any virus people say cor- coronavirus I say coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> you need you need you need, to, you need to tag that you know have your shirts have maybe yeah. like your custom mask I think that could win I want to tell the people um so well, you're at one of these big networking things like Nappy. Um, sometimes you just run into people. I had a crew that we were calling ourselves, uh, I guess, the Chateau Six. And I didn't Ooh. know that to the end. But <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling back. I see the Chateau Six um, or five talking to this young woman right here that you guys see. I said something, and it was quite like slick of something I said. And she mm. shot it right back to me in a British accent, which I totally love. I love London. I have a London. I have a Sydney too, as I shared with you. But I said, okay, yeah. this woman has personality. And we didn't have enough time with the running around to get in the full story. So I want to find out, what were you there at Nappy for? What is your dealings in TV or movies? What's going on with Gabs? Hey, uh, I think that's the question on everybody's lips this year, to be honest with you. Um, what's going on with Gabs? You know what? I might even name my blog, my blog that, my blog series. You just gave me a new title. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. So um, first of all, let me clarify that I work strictly in television, not in film. Um, I've been working in television for about three years now in like multiple different um, disciplinaries and just different areas of business. Um, at Nape, I was lucky enough to be there and then also at the Real Screen Summit, which was the following week in New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, I was lucky enough at the end of last year to be awarded with a scholarship um, by the David Lyle Foundation. And what that is, is basically they awarded it to me and one other person. Um, We applied for it, got voted in by the board of members. And it's basically an opportunity for us as young aspiring television executives to really like get our foot in the door, 
um, take a step on the ladder and any other metaphor that you could possibly think of for just making good progress. Um, and with that, we've been uh, granted a uh, a bursary um, to cover our flights, accommodation, and um, access into all these international television markets. So the first one I was at was at Napoli, where I was lucky enough to meet your lovely self, <laughs> and um, and so many other people as well. Like it was just an incredible way to meet and mingle with um, different television professionals and really understand, you know, a bit more about the TV and business. Okay, so you work in TV. Is that the nine to five that you do day to day? Yeah, that's right. So uh, Monday to Friday, um, 10 till 6, actually. Um, I am a production um, secretary and also I do some coordination work with um, the other coordinators in the team. Um, so as a prod sec, that basically means that I'm responsible for a lot of the admin um, that comes with doing, you know, broadcast um, broadcast sheets so um anything from like release forms um to call sheets to sourcing locations and finding contributors um liaising with contributors and just be at that point of contact um i'm also i also am involved with like um wrecking credit card statements so making sure all the figures add up and um and yeah, just making sure everything runs on point. Um, a production coordinator will be the person who is responsible for the logistics of the productions um, leading up to the shoots. So yes, it's similar, similar ball game. And for those who are listening, I want you to listen very clearly because you'll say, wait, she does that, but it's the person who does what you're doing right now who next year you find out as an executive or is in some position. So you, in entertainment, you always want to be nice to everyone. I don't care if the person opening the door for you, you want to talk with them, let them know who you are, if you could ever be of service to them, because we can see them sitting like um, a Charlemagne at the breakfast club where he used to, you know, other people's flunky as they saw it and now he has you know one of the best shows at least in this country i don't want to be typical american and say the world because you know how americans do we have world yes. and we didn't even invite the uk to the game but um right how rude <laughs> you guys really missed we got our, our invitations got lost in the post i guess no it was intentional they don't want to compete on the world platform but um okay. that's that's with many things. You know, even our uh, football, what we call soccer here, people will say, you know, oh, this team is so good, we could probably beat Manchester. And I said, come on, man, <laughs> fall back, <laughs> fall back. <laughs> you, you could beat yeah. Manchester on a bad day with their their uh, worst team. You guys are calling it soccer. I think there's like, you've missed, you've missed the ball. Okay, you missed it. Yeah. So, so in, in, in what you're doing, and I'm trying to right now um, want to do this for the young person listening who says, I want to have a life in TV. How do you get to that point? How do you find out these things? Because at least on our side, you, no one will teach you that in a high school. Nobody, there's no programs. So you really have to go find it yourself. And if you don't oh, have, yeah. you know, family, friends, it's difficult. So how did you get into the position that you're in? Mm. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Like these things are never handed to you. Um, and especially in an industry which is so competitive, like you really have to prove your worth all the time. 
So um, I got into it because I studied television production at university or college. Um, and I guess that would be my major, if I'm speaking in your terms. Um, so I majored in television production in college. And, you know, I graduated um, from that. And within, you know, the first couple months, I'm going to still let <laughs> I just miss your accent so much. Like, I just Mine sounds so plain and boring compared to like yours is all like melodic and just very nice. Anyway. No, um, yours, yours, it's a switch. The grass is always greener. But you know what? I think that's largely because um, growing up, like all we would see on television was just um, American programs and like, you know, especially with kids television, it was always Disney Channel. Um, so hearing an American accent, is so normal for us on this side. However, I think that a lot of people were just like, like taken aback by my accent because you guys don't really get to watch much like um, British television or British programming. I mean, I think a few people jumped on Love Island last year, um, summer last year. And um, I think some Americans were like loving that. But apart from that, it's like hearing a British accent is pretty rare for you guys, right? Gabby. Growing up, the only British accent on TV, and remember, there weren't as many channels, at least when I was a kid, right? This is way back. I can remember black and white, white TV, <laughs> black and white TVs, but I, and I had one, um, but it was in my room. It wasn't the family TV, you know, it was, it was oh, in okay. old, old TV, um, but the only British accent was Mr. Bean, and he never talked, and oh, okay. um, Mighty Python. Done. Oh, my God. Done. So, you know, so when I go to London and I went as a very young man and people would say, oh, American accent. I mean, I had a woman follow me in the bathroom one time where I'm trying to urinate and she's like, are you American? And I'm like, yes. And, and I'm feeling like, you know, a uh, young Denzel or Morris Chestnut <laughs> because wow. you followed me in the latrine and asking me while I'm doing my business, am I an American? So I, I, you feel like oh, a that's so intrusive. What the hell? Yeah. That woman needs to fix up because honestly, she can't be moving like that. She's moving much. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That, that might have took my, you know, confidence. I might feel like I was like seven feet if I was, you know, feeling six two at the time, which as you know, I'm not. I was feeling seven feet like I, you know. So yeah, that's kind of much. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's it's all it's all good. So you went to university and you, right. did, you did that. But here, I'll say, um, my graduate degree is in mass communication, and I've you know I've taught and, and done different things. But I find that the majority of students who do communication, even if they work at the TV station, did not yeah. be they weren't able to take the next step. Because here, the next step is you might be homeless, working a job while doing a job that is free. Yeah. So how did you then get into a position and, and what's the process on your side? So um, I definitely hear what you're saying about, you know, when you find something that's your passion, um, but you're starting off as like a junior or like you're really just uh, complete, completely new to that area of business, like it's not going to necessarily pay your bills. Um, but from the moment that I moved back to London in 2015, um, I was uh, renting privately, like straight off the bat. So I never did, um, they did do student accommodation and like where you can stay in halls with a bunch of other um, students, but then... Um, 
my option was to just go straight into private renting um through like in the city um so working for free or working for like no money has literally never been an option to me because i've always had to support myself and pay my rent and pay my bills so um my first job when i I actually got a job um, in, as a music artist manager um, in uh, in like West London, and uh, that was whilst I was um, just finishing up uni. So in my last year of uni, I was working um, at this office, and that paid me pretty well. So I knew that from there, I was like gonna take another step. But then it was the it was the decision between do I follow this path into the music industry? Or do I follow my degree and um, start working in television? Um, so after I graduated, there was this scheme and it was called um, Mama Youth Project. And it's basically um, a, a, group, a group of people um, hire um, a diverse um, group of people in order to come and learn about um, being the practical, like the practicalities of um, putting together a production. So they basically produce a magazine show um, for Sky One and um, they hire people in order to teach them on the job and then the aim is that you basically um, produce the, the newest series for Sky One. Um, so I did that for a little bit as a trainee researcher and um, I felt like that was really going to be my like real foot in the door. You know, it would have been my first um, television credit and everything like that. However, um, after some, you know, some issue or another, maybe a couple issues, um, they ended up dismissing me. So I didn't even get to, I didn't even get onto the program in order to start making it. Like I literally had just done the training. So that was like, that was a kick in the teeth for me. I can't lie. But without that, I would never have um, found the, my next position, which was for a broadcaster called A&E Networks. And I know you guys have that in the States, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. So I was working for A&E Networks and, um, and that was like a really good perspective to have as well because it was broadcast. Um, but the role that I was doing, I was in charge of scheduling the, um, the channel. So, you know, whenever you're watching TV, um, you have like a break for commercials, you have all the graphics that pop up to show, to tell you if it's like a new show. Um, you like, you like schedule all the um, branding of the channel as well. So I was basically in control of that. Um, however, after eight months doing that, it was just so repetitive. It was, it was just not a creative role. And naturally I'm a very creative person. Um, just to add in, by the way, at the same time as I was doing this, Monday to Friday, on Saturdays, I'd be working as a, um, as a film club tutor. So I would be doing that every single Saturday, teaching children how to make films as well. So I was kind of getting my creative outlet there in teaching children about filmmaking. But at the same time, it was just like dry. Like this job, Monday to Friday, was just so dry. And like, I just couldn't keep it up. Everyone started to leave on my team as well. So I was just like, no way, like, where, where's my next, where's my next opportunity? Um, since I've been in London, I have always made an effort to go to these networking events. I go to networking events, I go to panel talks. I literally just go into all these different events, um, meet different people, socialize with them, like get to know them. And like, you know, you never know when your next opportunity is going to come and who it's going to come from, like, as you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, 
So I ended up going to this one event. It was called Connect to TV Coaching. Um, shout out to Georgina Bob. She basically hosted this event and it was all about like how to be a production coordinator, how to be a PM, um, a production manager. And um, after the session, like, it was super intimate. So I just went up to her, gave her my CV. And I was like, do you have any like hints or tips on, you know, what I should do to improve it? And she just looked, took one look at it. She was like, I have no hints or tips. Like, this is perfect. Um, you don't need to do anything. Just like, just, just keep doing what you're doing, basically. I was like, okay, like, say no more. The next day, I woke up to emails from Facebook messages. Like, Georgina was literally like, send me your CV, send me your CV. There's a job, there's a job. I was like, oh my God. So I just sent it over to her. And um, the, that same week, I was invited to come for an interview at my current company. And like by the end of the week, I was hired. So that was like my next step into um, uh, where I went from being in broadcast, which is one area of the business. And then I took my step into production. So I'm way more involved with um, the shoots, pre-production, and just learning to be a better coordinator and a better PM. Awesome, awesome. And just so you know, your picture went out. I see your picture, the G. Maybe you, you tap the, the screen one time, but our YouTube audience will say, what happened? I wanted to see her, you know, her, oh. her, her animation, her expression. Okay, there you go. My bad. There you should have told me. No, I wasn't going to mess up a great story because our podcast audience would say, we don't see that. And we're more popular. We're more popular on podcasts, but for those who see you, they're going to want to see you and say, yeah, you know, we, we're, they're going to go to the Instagram. Sorry, and, guys. I yeah. have returned. Um, yes. I'm sorry about that. My no, no. I, I love how you told that story because I think a lot of times people in T, like, you know, who watch from the outside in say, oh, you're so lucky. And they think because you might, <laughs> see TV, be a part of TV, maybe be on TV, that you live some fantasy life, like, you know, TV. Like, glamour, like super glamorous and like super like productive all the time. And, you know, as much as it is, like there's definitely times when it totally is those things. Like, for example, you know, I would never have thought next year that I would be flown out to America. Mm-hmm. and get to spend two weeks in the States and just get to uh, like talk about television for two weeks, basically. Like I would never have thought that was possible. So that aspect, it, yeah, that's like the glamour of it. But you know, you ha- like you have to put the work in in order to be offered those types of opportunities. Otherwise people will just not believe in you. And I think that's the biggest part is that wherever I've gone, whoever I've met, I've made a good enough impression that they can see my potential and that they are like, like they want, they want to help me out. And I think as long as you can always like build up those types of relationships where you're supporting each other, like, you know, then, then opportunities will be open for you. Yes. And you know, nappy, and I love the way you pronounced it better, better than that. Nepe. Um, it, <laughs> it, is one of those things where and it was my first one and but yeah, I, did, I, I yeah but i love conferences and i met you know the buyers who i was after but i also met a lot of creators and i met creators who weren't ready who need representation so we're a pr and a consulting firm so i always have a pitch for something like yes. off air i'm going to be saying no gabs check this out 
I'm telling you, this could work for the UK audience because this many of the audience is already watching on YouTube from the UK. This is what we would love to do. And we all can make money. And that's my thing because I used to talk about TV and say, I would say this, I'm trying not to say the company's name, but I've said it enough publicly where it was, it's the biggest company out there. And I told them radio should be TV. And they kind of laughed about the building radio should be TV. What are you talking about? And I also said during TV, there should be like where you text happy birthday. They never took me serious. You know, and, and, and that you're laughing, they, they kind of, but it was a different type of laughter. And then they stopped when I said, they should be texting. And, and, they, and I said, well, South Africa's already doing it. I just came back. Mm-hmm. And, and they were like, wait, what were you doing in Africa? Not even anything else. What were you doing in Africa? And I'm like, oh my I'm, God, on vacation. Yeah. I'm on vacation. So, yeah. so no, that's really interesting, actually. Like one of the first um, TV shows I conceptualized um, back in uni days, I actually based it off of the popularity of radio stations and mm. It was kind of like my reason, my justification for bringing in um, like radio presenters as as presenters for the show because a they were naturally like ready to present. They were they knew how to you know engage an audience. They knew how to articulate you know entertainment news properly. And b it was like radio heads are the people who um, nav like direct the trends in music and you know especially through radio and like you know people listening to radio stations will um get to know and relate to the voice that they're hearing so it makes sense to have that type of personality like on television it it translates very well Yes, yes. And and so I love when I'm meeting the young future execs. So us young people all together can say this is what's going to be next, because we don't need permission. But I'd love to see like, so I represent YouTubers, and, and, and some are very big. And you know, but there's but the big is a relative word, right? They can afford the invoice is what I like to say. Um, but the bridge between TV and YouTube is as natural as radio and TV. Just, and if we've already proven the numbers, we should be able to easily walk into the networks and say, this is gonna work. Um, right. We don't even need your studio. If you wanna give it to us, fine. I mean, there's always, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a plus to adding to a million dollar studio compared to a $30,000, $40,000 studio, mm-hmm. but you, you make it work. But yeah, um, yeah. so I, I, I love it. Where do you see, like TV going um, some in some trends that maybe even America is not hip to yet. Oh yeah, well, hundred percent. Like, let's talk about Africa, okay? Because uh, you mentioned it just then briefly, and like you know, I always do- mention Africa, Gabs. Africa. Thank you. Yeah, I'm Thank always. You. Yeah, look at my. You know what? <laughs> Can I, I, you see I, these? <laughs> well, yeah, at both nappy and and at real screen, mm-hmm. there was no talk about Africa, no mention of African countries. There was not even the slightest consideration for African people when they're talking about emerging markets and new trends in the television industry. I was so shocked. It wasn't until one of the very last talks of the New Orleans conference 
that Africa was mentioned. And in that, it was just, it was like a sound bite. It was like one person on the panel was asked the final question. They were like, do you have any um, tips about the industry or where to like, where to look, look for the next emerging trend? And one person said, you better keep an eye out on South Africa. Well, okay. Well, thank you so much for finally mentioning like what is one of the largest continents in the world and has one of the hugest populations across, you know, their whole region. It's just like, when are people really going to understand the power in African countries? We are getting there very slowly, but, you know, this is what I think in terms of trends. Um, the rest of the world is currently looking... Uh, toward um, Hispanic markets and developing um, content in Hispanic territories um, and Spanish-speaking territories. But what I can recognize is that, you know, with China in a lot of African countries, building up um, the infrastructure of, you know, that, that they've been missing, um, improving the electricity and improving the internet connection, um, it won't be long until... Africa is able to export um, its own content on an international schedule. Okay, so I, I, we're gonna go talk Africa because I don't know if you heard Byron Allen talk about when .TV came out, and I'm gonna give you this game and the audience. .Africa came out, and if you guys aren't buying the .Africa domains, then you're sleeping. Oh, oh, that's real. Yeah, and and we about three months ago for one of my YouTubers, we brought thirty people, Black Americans, we one Mazungu to Kenya. They loved it. Every Black American that goes to Africa, unless they go on military or missionary, they're not going to tell you they hated it because mm -hmm. it's a coming home. Now, have you been to that's Africa? Real. And if so, which countries? Yeah, I have been to Africa. Um, let me just, before I answer that, you know, your year, the year of return to Ghana, um, mm -hmm. just on the back of you say, you know, Americans go to African countries and they love it, yeah. On the year of return to Ghana, I'm pretty sure that like the, uh, the economy brought in something like, every time I say this figure, it changes, so someone really needs to fact check me, but I swear, it brought in like $40 billion, yeah. $40 billion for the Ghana Ghanaian economy, and why is that? Because African-Americans, they come, they see it, and they're like, oh my God, I need to, I need to, I need to own some land over here. I need to <laughs> own some land so I can just come back whenever I want. So bad Americans came, uh, copped their land, and now it's like, okay, the economy is booming. Yes, we'll do that year on year. Um, second of all, yes. Yeah, so I've been to Tunisia, and I've been to Morocco. Um... I am yet to go to Nigeria, and that's where my dad is from. So um, I'm due to go to Nigeria very soon because my cousin's out there, and I need to catch up with her and, you know, other family members who I've never met before. So it's pending. Okay, okay. So, oh, man, when you want to do Nigeria, I have an influencer um, who goes about every month, and he just became a Nigerian citizen. Um, I'd, I'd love to connect uh, you two 
he now he goes to rural village, learns about voodoo, does a, a lot of stuff, scares a lot of Black Americans because they're like, you know, hold on, what about the church? The church told me stay away from that thing, even if I don't have the full meaning behind it. Um, but you know, he 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 goes and he shows Africa like no other content creator. So I'm Nigerian. Wow, I, he's a super eagle, y'all. Yeah. And, and and I don't know if you've noticed, um, you know, Nollywood, it goes Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood. Nollywood, yeah. I'm the biggest owner of Nigerian films in America that does not sell Nigerian Ooh. films. Nobody has more than me. Um, B, C, D, <laughs> A, B through C, D, the part twos, A, wow. B through C, D. And so... I, and and there was one company there, the only black distribution company that I know of in film, that I remember about six years ago saying, you got to tell Netflix to put African movies on Netflix because they had yet. Yeah. I'm just going to grab a charger, oh, okay? No, no worries. Can you see me? Yeah, I see you. So we'll start right there. So Nollywood is number three. And for the West not to get to get it, like that should have been a whole session on Africa. I asked that while the, at Nappy, they were like, oh, there's a thing with Africa, uh, a no, Asia, this, that, and everything in Africa last. They love to just, they love to put Africa in with Asia. Like they love it. Yes. So we, we have to, you know, let them know and part of that is we ha we can create our own platforms i mean we can be our own netflix because i'm not gonna wait on them i will give you first rights especially if you can cut the check cut that give that bag right now but mm -hmm. you know there's um a kenyan movie uh creator i'm talking to right now and he was like i want i said how much do you want for this and exclusive rights beautiful mm -hmm trailer i gotta see how the whole movie plays out but he wasn't ready to give a media copy but he was like i want a hundred thousand i said wow okay that's it <laughs> because it looks like you spent a hundred thousand i mean he had all the bombs and things going off that's wow. a, that's a cheap price but he said something he said what if um I have it copyrighted in Kenya. Can I just give it to you? I said, no, no, there's no international copyright. You got to go region by region. Don't give it to me <laughs> until wow. it's, you know, ready. And if you need help with that, now you're a client um, and we got a whole different deal. But me as someone who wants to do fair business, protect yeah. yourself at all times. 100%. My God, there'd be so many people who would just take advantage of that person's, like, not to be rude, but like naivety about just how to manage their own um, intellectual property. Like, it's such an important thing to have knowledge about, especially when you start distributing, like distributing your content, like you have to retain those rights. It's what, it's what will always ensure that you're paid properly and you're not, and your content isn't exploited. Lord. Thank God he had you to reason with him. Yeah, and hopefully we can, you know, I want to do that throughout the whole continent because whether yeah. I, I've been, my wife is from Cameroon, I've been to Ethiopia, South Africa, I haven't found a place, Kenya, I haven't found a place I don't like as long as, you yeah. know, 
um, there's not a full-blown war going on because in Cameroon on certain sides there was a little conflict. But I'm from Oakland, so gunshots, you know, don't bother me. That's an orchestra going off. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but with you in the UK, have you brought that conversation up to any of the um, the gatekeepers? Yeah. Um... I am due to have those conversations in the next couple of weeks, actually. So um, I want to talk about two things here. So the first is that um, at the at the NatPay conference, um, there was one uh, time. There was like a half an hour uh, panel where um, all the UK sort of top dogs were there to speak about trends in the UK um, television industry. Mm-hmm. So that included like a representative from BritBox, um, from BBC, from uh, a, a, a big production company that also does a lot of commissions um, for, for the BBC. So there were all these people like on stage talking about the UK and British content. And they showed this, like they just, they showed this showreel um, which displayed what, what basically was their best you know, uh, their best programs and their best actors um, across the year, across 2019. Tell me if I saw one black person or even a brown person appear in this whole showroom. The showroom was like two minutes long yet. And that's long enough to add some diversity. Like where, like the woman who actually showcased the, um, the, the showreel, I keep saying show, but you know what I mean. Um, she was, she looked as if she was of like maybe Indian descent or she had some sort of, um, like her heritage was, sorry about that guys. For those of you with it in your earphones, I apologize. Um, yeah, um, she, was, she was like of Asian descent anyway. And not one black, Asian, brown, mixed race, whatever, yeah, whatever. Not one ethnic minority appeared in their whole showreel. And as soon as they asked the audience for questions, I put my hand up straight. I was like, so, like, nice showreel and everything, but uh, do you really think that you need to, you know, um, represent a different type of British demographic? Like, where's your black people at? Where's your brown people at? Furthermore, can you actually talk about a show which um, champions black and brown culture that you are particularly proud of that came out last year? Okay. So lo and behold, yeah, they definitely aren't, like they answer the question. They threw out some, so a few names of like some culturally diverse shows that they produced last year. But the the question was strong, and people came to me after and was like, "Well done, like well done for saying that because it was so obvious that that is what needed to be said." And um, so as a result, I've actually got a meeting with the um, the main guy from one of these big production companies that commissioned for the BBC, I've got a meeting with him at the end of this week. So I'm about to roll up on him and um, ask him some questions about diversity and inclusion. I'm going to come like a diversity and inclusion officer, yeah? You can't, you can't mess with me. But <laughs> you can't mess with me. Um, I'm just going to hold it from now. Okay. And, and when they can't mess with you, you know, I, I had said something that actually got a... Um, uh, my old, one of my OGs, he said, Kellen, you don't have to say black. I know you're black. But I was trying to give him business and I was trying to explain to an exec, um, like one of the um, competition, the Pluto competition, oh. like you guys need more 
black stuff. And he said, well, yeah. and, he, and he took offense. And he said, well, you know, we just bought, you know, Maverick Films. And I said, check this out. Mm. I was talking about black films and black, owned by black folk, distributed by black folk and black companies. Right. Maverick Films is not. I've spoken with that guy, nothing against him. He takes, he, and he's taken, he takes, I think, almost too much film, but he has a business model that he has the distribution line. He doesn't care sometimes how well the film is. And distribution's not into putting money into your film anyway. And the movie makers he takes completing, right? My, my point to say all that is to say, you thinking that you bought all these, you know, D black movies is not necessarily what I'm talking about because you have, you don't have any black news. And I represent the most watched black news channel on YouTube. And right. that's what I was trying to pitch. Not just yeah. the, I have, you know, all these films, I'm going to put them out. Yeah. Uh, Pluto, yeah. Has, you know, has so much that it's like, well, and they're Viacom now, so they can do that. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. So when you have that conversation, let them know we're more than just the entertainment side of movies. What about that's the sports? what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. What about the news? What about the documentary? Thank you. From our perspective, not what you, you guys went to the jungle and said. And I told you, Africa is full of wildlife and chimpanzees. No, they're people. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, I'm so glad you said that because this is like, this is my problem slightly with like Nollywood is that, okay, great. It, it, it's, um, you know, people all over the world love the genre. They love the format. They love what it, you know, they love its entertainment value. But like, you know, when are we going to break out of this trend that, you know, African-centered content has to be comedic or we you know we have to be making a mockery of the culture in order for it to sell like this is when this is the problem that i have is that okay so our representation is slowly getting better on the mainstream stage however you know it's very condensed to programs that are either entertainment or programs that are um music orientated um, and as much as, you know, we strive in those areas, like not strive, sorry, we thrive in those areas. Um, but at the same time, like there's so many other aspects of African culture and of, you know, black, black experiences, the US and the UK that we could show, show like that we could show. And those are severely underrepresented. Represented. So um, that just brings me on to um, the relationship, I think, that the UK um, that black British people have with um, the African continent. And I think this is going to be a particular advantage to us when we do start to launch our own Afrocentric channels and we do start to launch our own Afrocentric um, networks with a variety of shows, not just entertainment, um, is that, you know, a lot of people in the UK, like, we, we are familiar with our roots, like, um, not everybody, obviously, but generally, like, you know, when you meet someone in the UK, um, you they'll, like, you ask them or they'll ask you, also, where are you from? Most people can tell you straight, like, oh, I'm from Nigeria, or I'm from Zimbabwe, or, you know, I'm from um, Jamaica, or um, Barbados, like, you know, we're all, we, we know where our roots are, we know where our heritage is, 
But that was something that shocked me when I was in New York in 2017, is that a lot of the people that we interacted with, they didn't, like, they didn't know where they were from. I saw a girl and she was so Nigerian, like you could tell her features, she was gorgeous, she had like, you know, just, she had very Nigerian-esque features, okay? And I was telling her this, I was like, girl, you know, you, you straight Nigerian. And she was like, what? No, I'm from Washington. I'm from Washington. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Like, come on. Um, but it's hard, like, obviously it's so much harder. The history is different. Um, but yeah, like, I think just knowing your roots and actually I'm really impressed. I mean, not impressed to sound patronizing, but I'm like taken aback with um, African-Americans um, newfound determination to get, to connect to their roots and connect, connect to the motherland. Like I kind of thought it was genuinely not of interest to African-Americans to know that, that side of their story. But turns out, you know, with the year of uh, return to Ghana, being just a catalyst in that it's just like wow you guys really are getting in touch with your roots and can we do this together well if you do not go make sure your plot is secured in nigeria it'll be probably in a decade where you'll have you know once americans i'm just saying americans overall i've i've seen them even at the the football aka soccer games not know anything about the sport by halftime they're experts we're going for the first time. We're coming back telling people. So you, by the time yeah. you wait too long, you'll have somebody and they'll start telling you your own grandfather, great-grandfather's history. Right. Because, Before you know. Yeah, because what, what you guys are connected, but what it really is, is the flights have gotten so much cheaper. I have an influencer, the one who oh. goes back, $500. He can find $500 tickets on wow, sites like yeah and so he like quit his job after you know he got a full youtube um payment and he was like if i'm gonna get this every month let me quit my job and i'm gonna mm -hmm. go back every month and the only thing stopping him is you know he has a child here and so he needs to you know the the mother right. of the child's not gonna allow him to do that right now but he's become a, a titled man prince uh, wow. He's, you know, he's working on his um, land and, and, and building situation. But it, yeah, but it's because we're, but what we're getting that you're not getting is shot in the head um, by the police while running. You know, I used to, when I even go to London, I'd be like, it's going to be safe. Even I would hang out even in Brixton, right? When it was not gentrified yeah. and I'd find my best clothing deals. But oh, I yeah. said, wherever I'm at, because I would, I would be in King Cross for the main part. I said, wherever I'm at, as long as I'm fast enough not to get stabbed, I'm going to be pretty good. I mean, they don't shoot out here back then. I know violence of that is picking up, but it's nothing like our cities. I mean, 75 people can get killed in Chicago. 20 people can get killed in Oakland in a weekend. Um, yeah. You know, so we're once we see that, we're like, we need to be there because it's life or death in some uh, case. So real, so real. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, yeah, that's a documentary too that you guys can do <laughs> in the UK. For real. Yeah. yeah, man. There's just so, so many ways that we can um, represent our experiences, whether they are, you know, different or even the similarities between our cultures. It's just like, yeah it's mad you know we we, we definitely experience it um in different ways like yeah we're not shot at so much but people have been getting pulled over people have been getting you know 
um, people will get harassed. Oh, shoot, sorry. I'm trying so hard to keep this phone up, no, right? No worries. Not no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, people have spent an unnecessary and unjust amount of time in cells. Um, and then, you know, on a, in a professional level, like, our, our blackness is often attacked. So, um, yeah, it just, it's just insane. And, and do you know what makes it funnier is that, well, not funnier, but a little bit, <laughs> a, bit a little bit less funny, actually, is when we go back to Africa, um, you know the first thing that they'll call us? White man. They'll call us white. White, yeah. They'll say, hey, white girl. Hey, white girl. Hey, okay. <laughs> And, or, you know, they'll, they'll say that because, of, because we've been raised in the West. So it's like, where, like, where do I even, where can I be myself? Where can I fit in and be comfortable and be accepted by the people around me? Like, damn, it's not easy out here, man. It's not easy. But that, that and my, um, my father-in-law does that, and I know it irks my wife. Um, he'll say, Kelly, you think like a white man. But then he'll say also in his own stories, well, he'll go back and they'll say that about him. And they almost see it like, um, it's, sometimes it's going to be a compliment. Sometimes it can't be. It's kind of like other words, you know, depending on how you use it. But to us yeah. being in the West, we're like, we don't want to, that's not a compliment because we are who we are and we, we struggle to keep our identities and we're all people. But our cultural things, you know, it, it's hard when you're in corporate and people say, hey, you can't wear your hair natural. These mm -hmm. love locks are um, a, a testament that I can do what I want to do. You can't hire me nor fire me. It's a company. You need us. Uh, like Jay-Z said, I said no to the Super Bowl. You need me. I don't need you. I'm, I'm going to be fine. I want to ask you something, though, because of a hard stop. And we can do this all day, every day, because I know you have the energy. I want to know your community give back um, that you want to do or that, or that you're doing or that you want to do in the future. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game podcast with Kellen, Tyson, and A.L., the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.